Spirit will have the liberty to speak to us and change us and shape us into the image of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Good morning. Good to see you guys. Hope everybody's doing well. Um, we're going to be going to uh, the book of Ezra. Ezra chapter 8 is where we're headed this morning. Now, we started a series uh, at the beginning of the month called From This Day Forward. Uh, and that series, we're going to finish it up today. We're going to wrap it up. And so we're going to look at Ezra chapter 8 and Isaiah chapter 58. So you can go ahead and uh, if you got your Bible, you can go ahead and put a bookmark there. If you've got um, your phone, you can go ahead and start uh, scrolling there. Um, we're glad that you're here. And uh, this morning, as, as I was thinking about this message and getting ready for it, I began to think about something we did back at Christmas at, uh, at Raina's mom's house. Uh, Raina's mom, her name is Marsha, and uh, we affectionately call her Mo, and nobody else needs to call her Mo. That's a, that's a special term that we call her, right? Um, because when somebody else comes up and says, oh, you're Mo, she's like, no, I'm Marsha. <laughs> that's my actual name. Um, but um, we went to Mo's house, and uh, we were doing Christmas, and we exchanged our gifts, you know, with the family and everything. And um, we decided we want to play a little bit, have a little fun with Marsha, you know. Uh, she's always a good sport. She's a, she's a good one to play a joke on. Uh, how many of you guys are a good one to play a joke on? Somebody's always pulling jokes on you. I mean, you just like pulling the joke, right? <laughs> All right, so, so we decided, you know, we're going to play this little joke on Marsha, and, and maybe you guys have probably seen this rolling around social media. Um, we decided we were going to do a gift exchange between the siblings, between Raina, her brother, her sister, and then me, the in-laws, you know. Uh, we were going to do a gift exchange uh, from between us, and we were going to do the gift exchange with things in her house. Yeah. And so she comes in. We're getting ready to do our gift exchange, and we begin to, you know, give these gifts uh, of things, because I had, I, had, I had no clue we were going to do this until, you know, like maybe 30 minutes before we got ready to do it, and they said, you need to go find your gift. And so I'm walking around the house looking like, what can I get? I don't know what to get, right? And so, you know, I grabbed, I grabbed what I was going to get, and, and everybody else grabbed something, and they put it in a bag. And so we're giving these gifts, and uh, I think the first one that came out was a coffee cup. Marsha's like, oh, she's like, oh, I got one like that, right? And somebody, yeah, somebody else had went and got her blend jet, right? And they, they opened up, and there's a blend jet. She's like, oh, I have one just like that. All right, she's just, man, that's amazing. She's like, these are great. And I think Raina went and got the toilet paper holder out of the bathroom, had this big bag, and, and, and when that came out, Marsha was like, well, that's weird, <laughs> you know, <laughs> And and she's I think we've got a picture. This is this was her. We took a picture of her during. And as this game's going along, and she's like, some, she's like things are beginning to click in her mind. And my gift was horrible because all I could find was a candle that had already been burned up, you know. And so you know they open up this candle, and this last one's this candle that's been burned. And she's like, "That's my candle." Right? I know that's my candle. She's like, what are y'all doing? And, and so, you know, she began to realize that all these things were her things, right? Uh, she began to realize that there was an absence in her house of her things. Uh, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about today um, was this idea that uh, when we take something away, 
we begin to notice the absence. Uh, when we take things away, uh, the, the absence is noticeable. And that's not always a bad thing. Um, when we look back at the last 21 days, so yesterday we ended 21 days of prayer and fasting. And um, many of you guys have been going with us through this. Uh, we had a prayer guide, just asking people to pray through that prayer guide. We, we started uh, on uh, January 7th with fasting. We did three weeks of fasting where we had different kind of fasting focuses. And fasting technically is about food, okay? I get that, right? Uh, that, is, that is what it means. The word that we're going to look at here in just a little bit, that's what it means. It means to cover your mouth, which means to abstain from food. But um, in, in today's era, we, we have a lot of things I think we need to fast, not just food, uh, because there are things that kind of attach themselves to us, or we allow things to be attached to us. And so that first week, we fasted meals, we fasted food items, we fasted things that had sugar in them, we fasted from certain periods. It looked a lot of different ways, and we didn't tell you exactly how to do that. We said, what does that need to look like for you? Because for every one of us, it's different, right? Uh, some of us have different health restrictions and needs. And so we said, you know, what does that need to look like for you? On the second week, we fasted money. And when I say we fasted money, uh, it doesn't mean that we just closed the bank accounts and we were broke all week long. Uh, what it meant was that we decided we were going to be more intentional about how we spent our money uh, for seven days. Actually, it's not even our money. It's, 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 it, I'm, I'm always having to remind, you know, because I, I, I get this thing, this is mine, this is mine. It's like, Ryan, ain't nothing you got is yours, buddy. And when I get ready to take it, I'll just take it back. And so I always want to be have that in our, my head. Hey, I am, I am a manager of this for ever how long God gives it to me. And so that's what that second week was about, that, hey, um, God, you have blessed us. You have given us a certain amount. Some of us, we have great amounts. Some of us, we have smaller amounts. Whatever amount that is, God, help us to do well with this and be intentional about this, whether it's great or small. And so um, some of us, it was, hey, we didn't go buy Starbucks, right? Or some of us, we didn't have Amazon packages showing up, you know, random times and thinking, oh, what did I? I can't even remember what I bought, right? Because uh, that happens. Uh, so that was week two. And then week three, the week we just completed, was uh, the media week where we fasted social media. We fasted just media in general. Maybe it was TV. Maybe things that you watch. Maybe it's things that you listen to. Um, what did what did that look like for you? For me, it was last weekend where I went and I deleted apps, social media apps, and it felt so good, right? I don't know that they're coming back, uh, that it, it felt so good. Um, and so that's, that's where we've been. We have uh, removed things from our life. And so when we take something away, we begin to notice the absence. When you took something away over the last three weeks, did you notice the absence? When you took caffeine away, when, when you took sugar away, right? How many, how many, so, so when you took out the social media, I mean, I went, there was one day I pulled my phone out and I, I was thinking about, it was during that middle week and I was thinking about something like, oh yeah, I need, I need to buy that. And I pulled my phone out and went, went to go hit the Amazon app and said, I ain't going to do it. No, I don't, I don't need to do that right now. And I just put it back in my, my, my pocket and I realized, I was talking to someone this morning, and I said, I realized I never went back and bought that thing. So it must not have been that important, right? 
it must not have been that uh, essential to what I was doing. So when you remove things, you begin to notice the absence. What we have is we have muscle memory. And uh, muscle memory is dedicated to a certain task, right? I mean, if you, you just do things. There's certain things you just do all the time. You know, maybe it's how you get up in the morning and you make your coffee. You know, you're just, you don't even have to be awake. You're just moving toward the coffee pot, right? And you're just, your hands are moving, but your brain is not there. Uh, some of y'all are, are like that this morning, right? Um, or maybe you go on autopilot. How many of you have ever been driving to work and you've driven like five or six miles and then it hits you, I just drove five or six miles, and I haven't just, I just really wasn't aware, right? Because it's, you're on autopilot. You're just doing things. It's your routine. It's what you're doing, and it, I just do this so much. This is just part of what I do. I'm not really thinking about it anymore. And, and that happens. We get into these habits. Our attitudes get uh, subtly shaped, right? Um, maybe we get angry about things, and we say, why am I angry about that? Because our attitudes have been subtly shaped by things that kind of attach themselves to us, our biases, our distaste, maybe, or maybe the things that we have an affinity for, you know, and we don't really realize it, don't really re- realize why we're drawn to it. Um, our lives, uh, we have habits that get formed around these patterns. And so our lives are jam-packed with all this noise. Our lives are jam-packed with all this stuff. And... And we just live with it. We just live in it, and then we live with it. We get used to it. And then it just becomes background noise, and this is just how life is, right? Until you remove it, and you're like, whoa, that's different. That, that just feels weird. I don't know. I feel a little bit out of sorts. I, I need my, what is it? I, what is that fill in the blank for you? I need my, because I just don't feel right today. Something's off. Something is different. And, and that's the whole point of this, this time of fasting and prayer is that, hey, what is that that I've been leaning on? And so um, there's a, there are these chambers, and, and I can't, I'm going to butcher the name of it, anachic chambers. Basically, they're silence chambers. And things are so quiet in these chambers that... Um, it is the quietest place on earth. Yeah, it looks like a death chamber, I know. Look at <laughs> But that's foam. That's not like spikes, like metal spikes. That's foam. And so you walk into one of these chambers, and people, they say they can't stay in there very long because of the, just how much quiet there is. Like if you were to speak, like this, that's, where, that's where sound goes to die. It just falls off. There is no echo, right? It is the opposite of an echo chamber. This is a place where sound just is absorbed. And it's almost like when you speak, it's like a muffle. If you've ever had your ears close up when you've been sick, you know what that sounds like? That's kind of what it feels like in one of these chambers is that sound just goes in there and it dies. And um, they have this chart. And have you got that chart, the decibel chart? So, yeah, the decibel chart, this is like a car. Uh, car sound is about 70 decibels, okay? Uh, uh, that's, a, that's a fairly loud sound. Uh, your refrigerator uh, is about 50 decibels. I think our refrigerator is definitely louder than that. I hear it in the morning. It's like a monster getting ready to eat me. Um, then you get all the way down to 10 decibels. And what is 10 decibels? I just want everybody to be quiet just for a second. It's the sound of your breathing is 10 decibels. All right. 
And so if you go into this chamber of silence, they get it all the way down to negative nine decibels. And I'm like, wow. And, and you walk into this room, and it's, it's, it's like a room inside of a room, inside of a room. <laughs> it's, it's like nesting rooms, and, and they have this big metal door. And it says the room is built on springs. That way, if there's any vibration outside, that it's not transferred inside the room. And, and every way that they can think of to kill sound and vibration, uh, that's what they've done in these rooms. And so they can get it to where when you walk into the room and you're just standing there, the only thing that you can hear is your heartbeat and really like the blood pulsing through your veins. That's quiet, guys. That's quiet. And, and it says people, they freak out, and they're like, you got to get me out of here. This is too much quiet. I mean, you're like that. If the house is too quiet, you start turning stuff on. That's what I do. I enjoy when everybody's gone for, like, the first half of the day. But then, like, after a while, I'm like, it's too quiet around the house. Let's go make some noise, Ryan, you know. And, and I don't, because that's how our life, our life is built with all this noise in it. And we're used to that noise. We're used to the static. We're, new, we're used to the clutter. And so when we fast and when we pull things out, when something is removed, it becomes, we become very aware of it. It becomes very apparent, and we begin to see, wow, this, this held a big place in my life. And so that's why we're going to talk about what did we learn from fasting? What did we learn? What, did, what was the takeaway? What was the walkaway point? Now, I want us to read a story in Ezra. Ezra chapter 8 is, is where we're going. Ezra chapter 8. And uh, Ezra is a guy, maybe Ezra is, uh, is, is right before Nehemiah. They're actually uh, one book in Hebrew Scriptures. Uh, they're two books in, in our Protestant Bibles, but they're one book originally in Hebrew Scripture. Um, Ezra is... is this leader, this, this uh, Jewish leader, and he's living in Babylon. And um, you've had these waves of, of the Jewish people coming back into the land, coming back to Jerusalem. And it starts with, uh, I think it's King Darius, makes a decree. It says, hey, uh, we're going to allow the Jews to go back to their homeland. We're going to allow them to go back and not just allow them to go back, we want them to rebuild their temple, and we're going to supply them with the resources to rebuild this temple. And so you can go read in Ezra about how this starts. And so there's a few different waves of uh, these exiles that begin to come back home. And so we get to Ezra uh, where he, he's got this second wave of people that is getting ready to make this, this journey back to uh, Jerusalem. And this is what I want us to pick up. Um, Ezra chapter 8 beginning of verse 21 this is what he says he says then I proclaimed a fast and that that word there is um, zom it is uh, the Hebrew word for that used for fast it's used 50 times uh, in in uh, scripture and it means to cover the mouth all right so makes sense right I'm going to fast I'm going to cover my mouth I'm not going to put anything in there uh, there is another Hebrew word that um, is, is used one time for fast, and it has the connection with the idea of being afflicted. Anybody, you say, that sounds like a fast to me, right? <laughs> sounds like an affliction, right? So uh, these, these words get used, but this is the word that, that is used here in, in Ezra. He says, then I proclaimed the fast there 
at the river Ahava, which Ahava in Hebrew is love, the river, the, the river of love. I proclaim the fast there at the river Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and all our goods. For I was ashamed. I want you to notice this. For I was ashamed to ask the king, the king, who's the king? King Artaxerxes at this time, who is the predecessor of uh, King Darius. I was ashamed to ask the king for a band of soldiers and horsemen to protect us against the enemy on our way, since we had told the king, the hand of our God is for good on all who seek him, and the power of his wrath is against all who forsake him. So, so we fasted and implored or prayed uh, for, to our God for this, and he listened. God listened. And, and so I find it interesting. I actually find it really funny because if you've ever stuck your foot in your mouth, right? Anybody, you ever, you ever said something, and then you were like, ooh, I wish I could back up and take, take, that, take that back, right? This is where Ezra was at, because Ezra, he's, he kind of, maybe he's kind of feeling it, right? He's feeling like, God, God's with us, right? And the king says, hey, I'm going to send you with resources, and I am going to send you with a band of soldiers to protect you. And Ezra's like, no, we don't need them, king. We don't need your soldiers. You can keep your soldiers, right? We don't need, we don't need your soldiers. And then he starts thinking about it, and he's like, I, I can't go back and ask the king for soldiers now, because I already told him what God was going to do. So he kind of uh, throws that out there, and, and now he's saying, hey, I, I'm ashamed to go back to ask the king for soldiers. So, hey, guys, this is what we need to do. We've got to fast and pray because we need God to do this thing. We've said, God, we, we believe that you can do it, so, God, we actually need you to protect us on this journey. It's about 900 miles, and so we need you to protect us on this 900-mile journey that we're about to take. And so... Um, they fasted and they prayed. The thing that you need to understand about this fasting, um, it, it's mostly a group activity when we look at it in Scripture. I know that when you think about fast, you think about your individual self-fasting, and, and I understand, I get that. But mostly when it's um, talked about in Scripture, fasting is done as a group, and that's what we did over the last 21 days. We fasted as a church. We fasted uh, as a group of people who are saying we want God to do something in our life. We're, we're wanting to know what God wants to do in our life. God, where do you want us to move? That's what this entire series has been about, moving into the places where God wants us to move. And so because of this, he said, hey, we've got this thing that we've got to do now, God, to step in. God, we need you to step in and uh, protect us. So we've got to fast and pray. And so they began to fast and pray, and it says God listened. Now, I want you to just ask yourself the question, if you participated in this fast, maybe you've done a fast before, what did you learn? What did you learn from, from doing this? What did you learn from pushing away a plate or pushing away a certain food item? What did you learn from deleting an app? What did you learn from not participating in a certain activity? What did you learn? And what was the purpose of that? Right? Was the purpose just to be religious, just to say, ooh, look how spiritual we are? Look, look at this. We prayed a bunch of prayers, and, and for 21 days we fasted. We fasted. Man, look at that. Look how spiritual and religious we are. We pat ourselves on the back, and we give ourselves little check marks and smiley faces and gold stars on our spiritual report card. Right? We feel good about ourselves because we did this thing. 
And is that the purpose? Is that really what, it, what, what, we're, what we're left with? Is that really the result, all we have? I think there's more to this. And I think the point of fasting and what we learn is this. The first thing that we learn is this. We had to do this. We had to stop our daily routines. We had to stop the noise. We had to remove the weight, right? Um, there, was a, uh, there was a quote, and I, I didn't give it to you earlier, but this is the quote from a little bit earlier I, I should have gave it to you. It says, sometimes you don't realize the weight of something you've been carrying until you feel the weight of its release. So, sometimes you don't know you know, what something ha- is the heaviness of that until it's like off your shoulders. And you're like, oh, I didn't, I didn't realize. I didn't realize how, t- how tired I was. I didn't realize how stressed I was. I didn't realize how much this co- had consumed my thoughts. I didn't realize how much this had controlled me, right, until you release that. And so we had to. What, what we learned was this, is that when we stop, our daily routines, when we stop just the patterns of things that we just mindlessly walk in, that when we stop the noise, when we remove the weight, when we turn off autopilot, there's an awareness that begins to happen. We sense the silence. The silence basically what becomes deafening. We've heard that. That it's just like, okay, there's an absence of something here, and I'm very aware that things are different. I'm very aware that things seem somewhat off. So we have to stop our daily routines. We also have to do this. We have to consider our actions. We want you to think about, God, you know, why is this a big deal for me? Why is it that when I push this thing away or when I stop doing this or when I stop eating this or when I stopped uh, having this app on my phone, why, why was that such a throwing my life off kilter, right? We have to consider and ask the question, why, why, is this, why did this come? How did I let that happen? Because most of the time, we don't make a decision, I want this thing to become a big part of my life. Right? It just happens that way. We just begin to walk into these things, and we begin to allow them in a little bit at a time until after a while, it's like, this is part of my life. This is part of who I am. This is, man, this is it. And then when it's gone, it's like, oh, that was, that was a major crutch for me. That was, a, that was a major thing to have uh, just be absent in my life. And so we have to stop our daily routines, and we have to consider our actions. You know, what's happened with this removal? What, what am I aware of? What am I more aware of? And the third thing is this. Is we just we have to decide on changes. So what are the changes that you need to make? What have you become aware of? And what are the changes you need to make now that you're aware? Right? What is that? I don't want you blindly just walking through life and being oblivious to the things that have a control on you. Right? I know a lot of times we talk about stuff and there's things. I can, I can usually sense what bothers somebody when I start talking to them about it because they get defensive about it. You ever been there? So, ooh, I hit a nerve. Wow, that's a sore subject. You want to talk about that? Absolutely not. I don't want to talk about that. I don't have a problem with that. That's not my issue. My issue is something else. It's like, well, I think maybe there's an issue there. <laughs> and that happens a lot. And so, and so it's like you hit a nerve. It's like you become aware. But at that point, when you become aware of that, then you have to do something about it. 
You can't just go back to ignoring it. You can't go back to being Neo in the Matrix, right? Plug me back up to the machine and just let me go back to dreamland. I, I, can't, I can't do that. Now that I'm aware, I've got to do something about it. I've got to make a decision. I've got to act on this because I know this has been big in my life. And so we have to decide on changes that need to be made. See, I believe this. I believe that we don't fast because, and I've said it before, it makes us religious. I don't want to be religious, you know, or pious. That's what, that's what pious means is to be religious or to be, you know, seem to be spiritual. Do you know people like that? You know, you look at them and they, man, they look like they fast. They look like they pray and they look like they could just, you know, talk to God. They're, they're really religious. But that doesn't mean that everything that's going on in their life is as it should be. And we find this when we go to Isaiah chapter 58, the last scripture that I want us to look at today. Isaiah chapter 58, beginning in verse 1. And this is what God says. He says about the fast that these people have been doing. He's not happy with their fast. In Isaiah 58, this is verse 1, it says, Cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways, as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask me righteous judgments. They ask of me righteous judgments, and they delight to draw near to, to God. Why have we fasted, and, and you see it not? Why have we humbled, humbled ourselves, and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? He's saying, listen, is this the kind of fast that I want is you just to be religious? He's like, that's not what I'm looking for. When you fast, I am looking for something else. I'm not looking for the piousness. I'm not looking for a religiousness. He says, I'm looking for something else. What is the something else that he's looking for? He goes on and he says this. He says, is not, in verse 6, is not the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? to bring your homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? And then shall your light break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. And then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke of your miss, the pointing of your fingers, and the speaking of wickedness, if, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as noonday. What he's saying is this. He's like, he's like I want your purpose more than your piousness. And that's what I believe, that, pi that purpose is better than piousness. That, that purpose is better than just our religiousness. And we're not here to do a 21-day fast and pray some prayers and pat ourselves on the back and say, oh, I made it through, and then go back to being the same people. 
go back to being the same thing and walking back into the dreamland that we've been walking in. God's saying, you're aware now. You see now. You see and feel the absence of these things in your life and how it's kind of put you a little bit off kilter. There's a reason for that. And I, and I don't want to just remove, I want to replace. I want to pour something into you. I want you to step into purpose, and I want you to step into action. I don't want you to step back to the old life. I don't want you to go back to the old place. I want you to become something new. And that's what he's calling. He's saying, listen, when you step into this, you're becoming people of purpose. And what is purpose? Purpose positions us for God to do something great. Piousness doesn't. Piousness only thinks we think that we're great when we're pious. But when we're walking in purpose with God, it positions us for God to do something great. It puts us in a place where God says, now I'm going to move and I want you to move with me. Remember, that's what the series has been about, moving with God into the places that he wants us to go. So action may move us to a place where God is moving. But, but it also may be this. It may be that action for us when we act on these things may just allow us to be more aware that God is already moving around us. Sometimes we're oblivious because of the noise. Sometimes we're oblivious. It's like, I just, I wish, I wish, I've heard people say, I'm praying for revival. I'm praying for, I, I wish we would see revival. And I'm thinking, man, there's revival happening. You need to open your eyes and step into it. God is already bringing revival. When somebody repents, when somebody gives their heart to Christ, when people are being baptized, when people are changing their lives, when people are coming to know Jesus, that's revival. That's what that looks like. And so we can participate with that and act on that and say, God, I'm going to move with you where you're moving. Wherever you're moving, God, that's where I'm going to step into it. That's what I want to do. I believe that's what God's calling us into, to be people of purpose, to become people of action. I'm going to ask somebody to come play. There was a guy in uh, World War II. He was a theologian and a pastor, a German pastor. Uh, his name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, was part of a plot to uh, overthrow Hitler's regime. Um, he was uh, thrown into a prison, and uh, he was eventually uh, executed. But this is what he said. He, he said about just being a person of action. He says, one act of obedience is better than 100 sermons. And I'm like, man, I'm a pastor. I love sermons, right? But that is so true. When we decide, man, I'm going to act on this, that's so much better than saying, I went to church a hundred times, had a hundred sermons, raised my hand a hundred times, and then I walked out and I was the same person with the same junk, living in the same noise, carrying the same weight. What would happen if we say, God, on the other side of this 21-day fast, there's been an absence in my life of stuff that doesn't need to return. Space has been created because we've removed some things, God, I want you to fill that spot. I want you to fill that space. What if we prayed that prayer? What if, what if we not only prayed that prayer but said, all right, God, open my eyes to the places where I need to act. Where are those places? Well, it may be, you know what, if you, you've been around here, you've heard us talk about serving, serving on some of our serve teams. That's absolutely an option, and I would love for you to explore that. 
But it may be this. It may not even be some, anything about a serve team. It may be, you know what, that there's someone in your neighborhood, maybe the person across the street that God is saying, you need to go serve them. You need to go across the street and do something for them. It may be someone that you share uh, an office space with. It may be someone that, that, that you uh, have a hobby with that each week, what, what does that look like for you? What is the action that God is calling you into? Yes, it may be here to serve on a serve team. We would love that. We want you to do that. But it may have nothing to do at all with anything about a church service. It may have something to do with a relationship. And he says, I want you to act on this. I'm glad I've got your attention. I'm glad that you feel since that space has been, there's some absence there. Now because you sense that, because you're aware, I want to fill that space, and I want you to act, and I want you to move with me. Anybody, you want to do that? Would you be willing to do that today? Stand with me. What does that look like for you? What does that look like for you today? We're not looking for religion. We're not looking for piousness. Piousness is powerless, right? That's, that's not what we want. I think religion actually winds up killing you. I think when we begin to look and say, my relationship with Jesus is the most important thing, that's what we're about here. You've heard us say it, and I'll say it again. We exist to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. What's our purpose? It's Jesus. What's our purpose? Getting closer to Jesus. What's our purpose? Helping other people get close to Jesus. What's our purpose? All of us moving in the direction of Jesus. To reflect Jesus in our speech, reflect Jesus in our actions. When we do that, we become people of purpose. We become a church with purpose, and it's not about religion. And this becomes the most powerful thing in the world because, because people begin to see that it's real and it's true. And it actually changes and so we begin to give grace away because grace is poured into us and we're giving it away. Guys, that's what I want for us. That's what we saw in 2023. You know what? Who we're going to be in 2024? We're going to double down on those same people and do that. We just want to be better at it. We want to be bigger at it. We want to be better inviters, more inviters. I want you to pray about that. Invite somebody. That's why we had those cards printed up. Sit with me. Don't just invite somebody to church. Invite them to sit with you, come to church with you, and sit with you. Okay? What does that look like? So, Lord, here we, here we are. We've just completed this fast. And we're asking ourselves, what have we learned? I think we've learned a lot of things sometimes consume us that we don't realize consume us. We, we have maybe substances that have hold of us. Lord, there are thoughts and patterns that we think in that have a hold of us and keep us bound and hold us hostage. Lord, I pray release in our minds. I pray release in our spirit that as we fast these things that keep us bound and keep us slaves and keep us, Lord, just continuing to walk in dreamland where we just are not aware. Now we know. We're aware. Our eyes are open and we are awake and we see what's going on. And I pray, Lord, that we make decisions and we consider what's happening and we make decisions and act. We move into being the people that you want us to be and we move into the places where you want us to go. 
So God, I thank you. I thank you that we are here together, that you love us, that you've called us, and that, Lord, you're not going to let us go all by ourselves. And we don't need some foreign king to march us back to Jerusalem. There's no king that's going to save us. There's no president that's going to save us. It's not a government that's going to save us. Lord, it is Jesus. Lord Jesus, you save us. You save us from our enemies outside, but Lord, probably even more than that, you save us from the enemies on the inside. You save us from ourselves. 